Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for information and inspiration on the parenting journey. Just wanted to give you a heads up that from now until the 11th of March, the podcast is being taken over. We've got a limited series happening. You're going to hear about it in just a moment. The Art of Connected Parenting. So still the same deep value that you get every Monday here on the Joyful Courage Podcast, but we will be sharing the limited series, Art of Connected Parenting for the next little while. And the good news is this limited series is good for all parents, young kids, all the way through the teen years. So check it out and enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our super special podcast series, The Art of Connected Parenting, where we, the founders of Sproutable, are coming together to talk about the power of up-leveling, how we think about and understand our role and relationship with our kids and with ourselves, really. Just to remind you of who we are, I'm Casey O'Rourke, host of the Joyful Courage podcast, positive discipline, lead trainer, mom, adolescent lead here at Sproutable. With me are Alana Beebe, the Managing Director, Brilliant Thoughtful Mama, and Positive Discipline Parent Educator, and my friend Julietta Skoog, also a mom, Early Years Lead, and Positive Discipline Trainer. I just have to say, we are also so much more, okay? (laughs) We are so excited to continue to dig into this work with all of you listeners and with each other. Thank you so much for being here and tuning in. Last week, we talked a bit about how When we're intentional about our parenting, it is an opportunity for personal evolution as well as a cultural revolution. We shared the ways we are actively reparenting ourselves and spoke about the importance of our personal stories and how our childhood stories translate to how we show up in our own parenting, the ongoing loop of interpersonal relating, right? Make sure you check that out if you haven't already. This week, we're talking about guilt, shame, and self-doubt. Good times, but real for all of us, right? So let's just start right there. How has guilt and shame and self-doubt, how has that shown up for you all on your journey of parenting? Well, how has it not is the real (laughs) question, Casey. When did it not show up? When does it not show up? And they're also different to me. I think the self-doubt, as I shared last week, immediately showed up the minute I brought my baby home and had a colicky baby. And suddenly what I thought was going to come naturally to soothe and care for felt so shaky, which of course it does as a brand new parent. So self-doubt kind of comes along with the baby, I feel like, or however a child comes into your life. It's that instinct in terms of just keeping them not only alive, but I mean, just the weight of responsibility. It's so major. So that's the part I think for self-doubt that has always just lived in and in those waters. But I think as, I don't know if you both feel this way, but as a parent educator and parent coach or here at Sproutable, I get the extra layer of maybe some shame that can grow when my kids are being kids, Mm -hmm. being totally human beings. 
And just having those extra set of eyes on me, I think is when it can show up. When it has the potential to grow in the Petri dish is when I notice it. How about for you, Alana? Yeah, I think that there is the internal process for me and then there's the external process. And the internal process, I don't have much self-doubt. Like that's kind of how I live in this world, which is a strange thing and (laughs) helpful. (laughs) (laughs) However, I have allowed a self-doubt when it comes in relationship with other people outside of myself, you know what I mean? As in how am I supposed to show up in this situation? So this is where I want to like bring it to the external. So I think that there's this external idea that we all live within wherever we live in the world, whatever community or culture or family we live in of how we're supposed to show up, how kids are supposed to show up, how adults are supposed to show up, how we're supposed to show up as a parent, how we're supposed to show up as a teacher or whatever, that there's like this role to fill. And a lot of these expectations are just unnatural, you know? So for me that, you know, just like the baseline of it is If we talk about, you know, a kid having a tantrum or something, right? The role where we live is you need to stop that tantrum, right? As in the adult in the situation, you should be stopping it as the teacher or the parent or whatever. It's your job to stop that child's tantrum. But really the reframe, right? Is that it's okay, Mm -hmm. right? So I think it comes into play when something happens, when someone's, you know, behavior or something comes up and it's against what is expected against what's expected by society, against what we expected, like any of that, you know, and that's where that rub starts to hit. And so then maybe it rolls into guilt and, or shame or yeah. self-doubt or, oh my gosh, I should have done better. I could have done this differently. And that's, you know, kind of this level of shame and guilt and self-doubt. And then I think there's this deeper shame that some of us have when we know we messed up, like for ourselves, right? When we really are like, oh, I do not like how I showed up in that situation. I never want to do that again. I don't want to feel that again. And that level of shame is so deep. And that's something that we all feel at some point. And I think parenting for me has been the place that I've like felt it the most, you know? That moment when our head hits the pillow at night. Yep. Like, oh. Yeah. Or even like just that prompted me to think about a recent interaction that I had with my daughter and her being like, yeah, when you said that, like I did a really great repair after a very judgmental conversation. I'm doing air quotes for those of you that are listening because it wasn't a conversation. It was me sharing what I thought Mm -hmm. and then repairing it and owning it. And her response being like, yeah, that was really hurtful and irritating. And I'm so glad that she can articulate her experience of me. And it took a while for me to move through knowing explicitly from her what her experience was of me, right? And I think that was a shame place just because of how deep it felt. And then also, you know, for me, this storyline that my listeners are very familiar with. So I'll just briefly, but like, you know, my sweet girl is my teacher, you know, and I tease her about like, thank God for you. I wouldn't have any content, you know, her just kind of taking us into this foreign land of taking the reins and deciding, you know, what didn't work for her and what didn't fit for her and how like foreign it felt. And then that sparking my own, again, from last week, my own inner conditioning around where worthiness comes from. And then my own question of, and I still sit inside of this sometimes, like, did I show up 
the right way for her? Should I have leaned in a little bit more? Will she 10 years from now be like, you know, mom, you really dropped the ball. Like you could have done this, you could have done that. I don't think that'll happen. And when it does happen, I'm gonna be like, do you remember yourself at 16? (laughs) But all the layers that we all go through, that we all move through. Well, and that gift of hindsight. And so we do, you know, in the the moment, right? The gift, (laughs) the power, I should have said, the power of hindsight is so, you know, when we look back and we're like, oh, well, of course, you know, or here's what I wish you would have done or what I wish I would have done or what I wish you would have done in those scenarios. And I was just percolating, noticing that with my kids being younger, that I notice in myself when the shame drops, you know? Because we've gotten that feedback of like, what? You're not going to tuck me in the threat that I gave. And I was like, no, 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 I didn't mean that. Oh, you took it like that? Did I not get to have a birthday? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I took birthdays away for the rest of their life. That was good. John was like, thanks, babe. Really appreciate that. Mess to now clean up. You know, how I get into a little bit of a wiggle of just really trying to turn the tables on them or manipulate myself out of it or justify, Mm -hmm. you know, that's my MO. That's where I go to around the idea of mistakes. Well, and did you even hear me do that in my story when I was like 10 years from now and she's like, why didn't you do that? And I'm going to serve it right back to her. Like, don't you remember who you were? What else was I supposed to do? What else is so interesting? But there's those places too where, you know, as it creeps in, that also reflexes for what to do with that, you know? And I appreciate a lot of your connection between self-doubt of the externalizing and the internalizing because I think there's a healthy amount of reflective questioning within our parenting skills of like, what's the right move here, you know? And to be able to actually pause and maybe not doubt, but shift into that awareness. What does this moment need right now? What is the move? As opposed to just being like an immediate, you know? And so kind of the flip side of self-doubt is actually that pause, that reflection, that presence Mm -hmm. to just be in the moment and, you know, make a decision or try a tool or lean into the, all the tools we talk about, the connection, the relationship, the curiosity, and whether it's, we're going to look back and be like, well, that didn't work, you know, well, then that's it. But like, if we've shown up with authenticity in that moment and with that good faith in that moment, the storyline changes. Well, and I think the presence piece that you were just talking about too, also allows us to recognize, like for me, Of course, Rowan dropping out of high school to preserve her mental health. I mean, any parent's going to kind of freak out, right? Like we're all going to freak out about that. I had this extra piece around her worth, not in consciousness, but it was a part inside of me. Like, what does this mean about her worth and her value? Because that was so drilled in for me growing up. Education was connected to my worth. You mean how everyone else valued her? Well, yes, and also my own. Like, I had to navigate my own. Well, I had to recognize that. When I recognized that, of course, there's this added layer because this is what was held and served to me. And I don't believe this, right? Like, But I had to recognize that it had this little part in the experience I was having to be able to release that, put that to the side and just be with, you know, my emotions, what I was feeling, 
her what she was feeling. And be her advocate. And be her advocate. Yes. Oh my well, gosh. And I think that when we kind of drop into that like fear yeah. piece of this, right? Yeah. When we're really in that like scared moment, sometimes we latch on to things that we quote unquote value to like kind of tether us, you know? So the reason I'm upset about this is because, like for Rowan, is because you like Rowan needs to graduate high school and get an education to be worth something in this society. And that's what people do. Right. It's because you're in this fear state. So right. you want to connect it to something that makes sense. And you can't see right? any other possibilities. Like you're looking through. And like, you're stuck, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. then when you like come out of the fear state and you actually are able to go into your values a little bit deeper, right? Mm-hmm. Like problem solving and you're in that prefrontal cortex of part of your brain then you actually can get deeper even within yourself, right? And it opens up so much more possibility. And I think that there's this interesting thing where we think that we have these values, but sometimes it's just our fear state values. And when we really dig in, it's deeper. And this is actually where we lie. It's just because it's reinforced constantly every day as we're going through life, that it should live outside here instead of in here. Yeah, so do you guys think that, like if we're experiencing self-doubt, experiencing guilt and shame, that there is a beneficial exploration of, so what am I afraid of right now? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, the story that I wanted to bring up in, you know, talking about guilt and shame and self-doubt was my child's gender journey. So my child was born male, transitioned female at three, and now is moving on this gender journey into, you know, non-binary. And it has been a journey and it will continue to be a journey. And that's where we are. But in context to this, what you were, you know, kind of framing in all of this is how are we supposed to be in society? And, you know, I think that like a lot of parents kind of go through this process and I went through this process. It was fast for me, but this process of will my child still be loved, right? This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. (laughs) Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili, tamale bowls, and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence 
whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Will they find love? Will they find connection? How are they going to see themselves fit in and feel connected? to their community and to their friends in the greater society. And there can be a lot of fear in that story. You know, it's an easier one for me to have for my child to be different mm-hmm. and make waves, but it's much harder for me to be the one that's different and making waves. Oh, just say that again, Alana. Yeah. That was so yeah. good. It's much easier for me to see my child different and making waves, but it's much harder for me to be the one doing it. Mm-hmm. So... I can live in their individuality and I can see the beauty that they are in their diversity and their difference from me. And then when I have to show up and talk about my kid, every time I talk about my kid, I'm advocating for gender equality. I mean, that's just like when you use the pronouns they, them, or if someone knows my child was male at birth and I'm saying she, her in that moment, it's automatically that conversation. There's no way to avoid it. I might be just trying to talk about going to soccer, you know? simple, right? But I have to have that conversation. It then becomes my own work showing up in society and talking to people and being like, yep, this is something that I'm embracing. And this is my story. Are you going to ask me about it? Do I have to talk about it now? This is drop off. Oh my God. You know, like how much do I really want to dig into it? You know? And it's because, you know, I'm dealing with my own guilt or shame or whatever about being that person that's going to bring that up. You know, make that wave, make that person uncomfortable. Don't make that person uncomfortable. Always make sure everyone's comfortable. Always make sure everyone's happy and safe. And, you know, some of this is, you know, growing up as a female in society. Some of this is just my own upbringing from my family. But that is a story that lives within me that I'm constantly counteracting in this guilt and shame cycle, you know? And so I will avoid it sometimes. I will just avoid using pronouns at all. Sometimes I'm just like Espen because I just do not want to deal with it because I have to all of the time, Mm -hmm. you know, it's always something I'm bearing. So for me, that's where it lies. And I get this practice with Espen in this longer gender journey because they haven't just been like, oh, I'm transgender. And there we are. And we get to like move forward. It's just been this like long ongoing change process. I'm like, okay, here we are again. And I get to show up again using different pronouns or having different conversation. And I get to just keep practicing it over and over and over again, you know? It's a practice over and over again yeah. with these feel- however it's showing up in the story, right? Yes. That we get to notice it again and again. I yeah. got it with my third. It was like, okay, third kid. They're all so different. Here's the one that I get the call from the school. And the principal is saying, well, I've never had to call you about behavior before, except when she called me because 
Violet did an April Fool's Day prank, and I was in the middle of a casino in Las Vegas. How oh, embarrassing no. is that when the principal calls you? And I was literally— you can so tell you're in Vegas. I, I, exactly. I was like, that. I'm so sorry. I am here for a conference, if it makes you feel any better. But other than that, I mean— Disregard the Disregard the slot machines. But that idea where it is a journey. I mean, we get all these opportunities to practice when it's going to show up. We haven't ever just wiped our hands of it. Once I got over the colicky stage, it was like, okay, now here it's showing up again, an opportunity. And I, Alana, I mean, just what you said around how, you know, we have no problem with our kids doing, but how it reflects on us is that extra piece that's coming up. So when we got the call from the principal with our youngest around behavior, it was that chance to notice, recognize the irony of the messaging, oh, I should have it together by the third kid. This is what I'm teaching and practicing. So I should quote unquote, have all the answers, which as we know, the people that are truly in our Sproutable community know all of our Mm -hmm. great messy stories and they love them. And I tell them all the time. But that piece of also with my husband being a PE teacher and it happening in PE also, that trigger, that activation, (laughs) right? It's like all these things you messed up. But having that chance to really practice, I actually, I sat up. I was like, yes, she did. Mm -hmm. This is something that we are totally practicing. Thank you so much. We get to join with her even more and be her advocate in that way. So it's certainly not, you know, an outward gender, but it is the way she moves. She is aggressive. She is physical. She does not fit in the box of the girls who play kitty cat at recess. Yeah. Someone cuts her in line, she's going to body check them just like she does at hockey, you know? So also that part around feeling the messages, you know, of what she should be and saying, no, actually this is the advocate work that Mm -hmm. I get to do. The acceptance that every single child has their own true essence. You know, Mm -hmm. think about your story with Rowan. So yes, I have to tell the story on this one now because your story reminded me and you're involved in this. Okay. Because I love also, like when we can stand inside of that for ourselves, I love how like the people that are coming to us like, okay, what's up with your kid? And we're like, yup. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Like, it's like, oh, I was driving to Julietta's, right? Like Mm -hmm. five years ago. And we had just had this whole conversation around how, walk into any bathroom in any high school in America and in the handicapped stall is a circle of kids passing around a nicotine vape, right? You know, I asked all these curiosities, had she partaken? Like, tell me more about it. We had a whole conversation. And a couple of days later, I'm driving to your house, Julieta, and a call comes in from the high school and I answer it. And sure enough, it's the Dean of Students saying, well, we got a hot tip that Rowan was vaping in the bathroom. I was like, oh, did you catch her? He's like, well, no, it's a tip. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm so glad that this is coming up. He's like, oh. I'm like, oh, no, we have full conversations around vaping around the table. And it just felt so good. And the absence of shame and guilt, because I was like, yeah, dude, I know. We talk about this. Exactly. That part of owning it, talking about it saying, great, thank you so much. We're working on this. Mm -hmm. This is what actually we've been practicing at home too. So we'll keep doing what we're doing. We'll keep tightening up. Let's open that conversation. Thanks for letting us all be here for her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For Leona. Yeah. 
So, and now moving into, so we talked a little bit about like how fear can feed in our own fear, but let's talk now a little bit about why is it so important to pay attention to what's going on for us? Because ultimately, and I talk about this a lot with my people of teens, how we all want them to talk to us and share with us and come to us. And you got to know what you're getting into if that's really what you want, because If you create that space and it feels safe, they will. And what they come to you with and what they share with you is a lot to hold. Like scared and worried is going to come up, has already come up for everybody. I mean, come on. On the parenting journey, it's not going to go anywhere, right? Things will happen where we will feel fear and worry. Why does it matter how we show up for our kids in those moments, right? When maybe they've come to us or we've heard from secondhand, something that is really concerning, right? Why is the space we hold or the way that we hold it important, would you say? I think for me, when we show up in a really uncomfortable space like that and we're bringing up our own stories of shame or guilt, we're managing the conversation and almost driving it towards a place that we want our kid to be, right? It's like a manipulation, you know, in the story. You know, even if we use curiosity questions to ask more about it, are we asking curiosity questions to get them to tell us that they were guilty? Mm -hmm. Right? To fess up? Mm -hmm. Like, is that really where we're trying to go? What is the intention behind? Like, what is this? And so what's really helpful for me is actually to say out loud, either for myself or my kid, you know, this is what's coming up for me. This is how I'm feeling in this. And then allowing the process for them to have their own process right? Their own perspective. It opens up the learning for them too, Mm. you know? And it opens up like this possibility of where it could go because maybe we just want them to tell us that they're actually guilty. So then we can come down and be like, this is what you should have done, you know? So we can feel better. And then we'd be like, ah, I did my job. Now I don't feel guilty anymore because I came in and told them what they should have done, you know? Like, great. Did my job. Right? I love the intention behind curiosity, right? Like, how do you think that made the other person feel? Mm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Versus, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow, I wonder what the experience was of, mm-hmm. you know, your friend when that happened. What signals did they give you? How did you read that? Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I like in my conversation with Espen is to flip it on the teachers. You know, how do you think the teacher was feeling in that moment? What do you think was going on for the teacher when, you know, the kids were doing this or this was happening or blah, blah, blah? And then we like to talk about like what could help the teacher, what could help friends or whatever. But, you know, it's just like that processing of their experience. Like we talked about in the last one. I want to bring in that. Like we all have our own story and our own perspective and our own reality that we live in. So when we force our reality on our kids, they don't get to have their own experience anymore, you know? And so if we're coming from guilt and shame and blame or whatever, then we're forcing our experience onto them. And then they get to walk with that guilt and shame in their life. And that's the baggage. Yeah, that's the baggage. You know? We talk about in Positive Discipline the definition of enabling, of getting in the way of our child and their life experiences and minimizing their actual experiences or that they talk about the consequences of their actions, but just more of that, like minimizing the experience for them. And so I think about that too. Like when we bring in our stuff, it actually gets in the way of their pure learning in that moment. Mm -hmm. But the idea that fear and worry to me is also, that's a healthy signal. Mm -hmm. That's a like, hey, thanks for giving me a little gut check here. That's interesting. 
notice, ground, do the breath, pause, tell me more. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Tell me more. Put that yeah. in your back pocket. And when I think about the littles also, just because I don't think it lands as well for the teenagers, when you just rephrase back to them a couple of their words, you know, that just keeps them going and keeps them going and keeps them going. And then, you know, when those, you stumble upon those moments too with your kid where you're like, well, fortunately I was in the right place at the right time. What if I hadn't been there? They wouldn't have told me that or whatever it was, you know, where you can say, oh, I'm so glad you told me. We'll figure this out together. You know, wow, that must've been so hard for you. Or tell me more about that. You know, whatever like that worry or part, or tell me from your perspective or that side. So you can hold that container for them that nothing is too much for me. Yeah. You know, I got you. Yeah. Right. So not necessarily because I'm going to tell you what to do or I'm going to solve your problem or that idea also of, do you want to vent or do you want some advice? And I, because I work with littles that the developmental, you know, stepping stone for that is just like validating the feelings holding the experience yeah, for them. It's the same. That was really big. scary for you, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, when you say like the fear and the worry comes up too, I think about with our littles and physical safety and that idea like running across the street, I turn my back for one second, all of a sudden across the street, I am panicked. That feeling, that physiological feeling of bringing them back saying, wow, that was so scary. Let's just pause for a moment, hold, ground, settle, and then practice, 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 you know, and just like getting the call from the principal's office. All right. Notice, ground. Thank you. Practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it just, it's this story that we have, you know, if we let fear and shame and guilt really get in the way of the story of our kid, then it becomes, oh my gosh, this behavior is who my kid is, right? Right. And we let that go. We let that, we run with that. And then it just like cycles up that fear and shame. Yeah. I see that so much with parents of teens. And I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking about the difference between like their individuating, teen brain development, appropriate mischief versus a conversation around character flaws. That is it. But it and it's in the youngers too. Yeah. And just how easy we slip into this is who they are, yeah, or that's that just that kid. This is the aggressive kid. This is yeah, the exactly. sweet kid. This mm-hmm. is the timid yeah. kid. This mm-hmm. is the blah, blah, blah. We label and name and it might just be developmental, might just be in that moment. It might just be, and then we're telling this story that that becomes their story. Well, because right? then we find then any evidence that supports that, we say, see, that there it is. The confirmation bias too. Mm-hmm. Well, when we're not intentional, right? When we're not connected yes. to ourselves and we are driving with fear, you know, as the steering wheel, you know, and you can speak into the younger years, but we start to create a dynamic where instead of like, how does what I'm doing in my life affect what I want to be creating? And we create instead this, my parents are assholes, right? Like it becomes about how we don't get it. Watch me do it. I can do what I want. 
and we move, actually move our kids away from like learning that thoughtful, intentional practice themselves. And they're just in that kind of unconscious reactive. Yeah. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And I think for littles, it comes up with feelings and emotions where it's like, oh, I'm upset and you're not seeing it. So I'm gonna have a bigger tantrum. I'm gonna have a bigger explosion. I'm gonna throw it out there because you don't see me. You're not validating my feelings. You're not seeing how I feel. You know, even the simple, a kid gets hurt and we're like, oh, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Stop crying, you're fine. Yeah. Right? And then their cries get bigger because they're like, you don't know. You don't know, you know? Mm -hmm. And the piece with the feelings and the big behaviors, when we match that and freak out, at their big behavior and hit your brother and destroy, you know, and our, then it sends that message that we can't handle it either. We can't handle you too much. So there's over time, it cuts that piece of like, okay, I cannot express my true feelings. Exactly. Oh, I got to keep people comfortable. Where do you think I got that message? Right? Mm -hmm. Feelings aren't okay. I need to keep everyone comfortable and safe and happy. And how I do that, don't show your feelings. Don't make waves. Well, and I'm thinking about you bringing home Joe's and realizing, I don't know what I'm doing. And that expectation that exists around, it should be innate. It should be natural. We're women. We should know how to parent and mother. And I'm thinking about, you know, that desperate question of like, well, what is the right thing to do? What should I do? What is the right thing to do? Mm Right. And so will you guys speak into that as well? I just had this moment because you had this bringing Joe's home of our life. (laughs) 
John and I <laughs> on the exercise ball, bouncing this baby with the hair dryer going for the white noise. Oh, yeah. We had a static station on the TV that was I just mean, full blast. When you said, like, what do we do? It was just like, those were our two parenting tools, like right there. And I actually think it was like this lesson, you know, for us to, especially because John worked with kids too. So we knew kids, but like, this going back to this idea of reparenting of just saying, oh, it really is this identity shift for, you know, us too, that we get mm-hmm. to develop and start to practice our own intuition, our own set of tools, our own set of responses. And I think cultivating that intuition of not necessarily what is the answer, but your question of like, you know, what is the right thing to do? Like moving away from the answer and just more leading with that heart, you know, of I'm coming into it from a place of connection and curiosity. And what I truly believe is the healthy limit, the boundary, the firmness, the agreement that we've made, the value that we have established for ourselves as the culture in our home, you know? So that's what I think about in terms of that, like, what do I do? What's the answer in this moment? And that's a practice. I mean, that's obviously takes, you know, a lot of practice. It's an ongoing, it's an ongoing. (laughs) I mean, that is the practice. That is the work. And you, whether or not you get it right or you get it wrong, isn't necessarily going to be like, given right back to you as a grade, it's going to be that feeling that you have that we talked about, like that feeling of that sweet spot of like, we're growing together or this Mm -hmm. landed, or even if the person on the other side, whatever child is disappointed or upset or has big feelings around it, or it's messy or it takes time. It's still, I feel it's like that feeling inside, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I have a question for you on that note, Alana, which is like, you mentioned intuition, Jules. And, you know, I have a lot of parents that I work with who are like, intuition, how can I possibly trust my intuition when my backstory is chaos, right? And so I'm curious from you and what you shared with us last episode about your backstory, what have you found your practice? Like, have you actively grown in your intuition? Is it like just innate? Some people have it, some people don't. (laughs) Like what's... Yeah. How does that look for you? I mean, for me and my process, it's more about I can't access my intuition if I am in like a fear-based state. Okay. It doesn't exist. So if everything that's coming up for me is this is who they are, this is where it's going, this is what other people are going to think, if it's that same kind of story, you know, that what I tell myself that doesn't feel good and I don't feel good when I'm asking those questions, then that's not intuition. Intuition is when I'm sitting in the space, I'm open to all outcomes and possibilities, and my child's telling me something and I can tell that there's something else underneath. I don't know what it is, yeah. you know, necessarily, but I can tell there's something underneath. And then we have that conversation and then I get a little bit more and I'm like, okay, in this space, my intuition is it's probably this, like I'm taking these connections and I'm pulling together the information that I have from my child and this situation. And this is my intuition of probably what it is, mm-hmm. you know, so that's how intuition kind of comes out for me, you know? And would you say yeah. also not just telling in the conversation, but that could also be communicated through a behavior? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It could be conversation. It could be behavior. It's all of those little pieces that are all coming together. You know, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's like all little slots line up. 
Like, oh, they did this and they said this and this happened and blah, blah, blah. And now they're like, this little conversation that sounds really small, I have an intuition that it must be bigger, you know? And so let's dig into that. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of presence. And I wonder too, considering what we do, I find too that in my own journey of being who I want to be, but also who I am intuiting that my kids need me to be, there's also this practice of gathering information, you know, like certain books. And it isn't even parenting. It's parenting. It's spirituality. And it's like those moments of like, this makes sense. This is what makes sense to me. Yeah. Right. And acknowledging it might not be what makes sense to the next person, but to me, this is what makes sense to me. Putting relationship in the center makes sense to me. Yeah. And me, it's like the brain pattern, you know, all the neuroscience, Yeah, the science around emotions in the brain and how we feel and our lids flips and all of that. I mean, that is like so helpful for me because they finally gave me the answer to the why feelings are okay. Right. So it's like looking for the answer for the questions that you have where you doubt yourself right? Exactly. Where does that exist? And what is that connection for you? Because there's so much out there in the parenting science world around, you know, brain development, child development, in the parenting science world around, you know, brain development, child development, you know, the self-growth work, you know, Adler and psychology, all of that. But what is the answer you're looking for where your self-doubt lives? Mm -hmm. And how can you find that so then you can show up for your kids in the way that they need you to, you know? You know how they say you should surround yourself with people that are smarter than you? I'm like, hello. Oh, (laughs) I'm totally having a moment of like, damn, these girls are so fucking smart. I love it. Well, I was just remembering just within the last couple of weeks when (laughs) we had had a family meeting and I'm just, you know, patting myself on the back for guiding our family to this family meeting. And then John was activated, all triggered by Leona, and then did his own repair in his really patient way. And then I had to just get her in her room one-on-one, that I had to give a piece, you know, and talk about like, oh, what should I do in this moment when you, and she's holding this like toy, like a cleaning, a broom, let's call it a broom. (laughs) How about that? Don't you surround yourself with such smart people? That's so smart. I just snatched it out of her hand. You know, it came so quick. Just like, you listen to me right now. It just came so quick that there was not even a moment for self-doubt, like, what to do. It's the, like, it's the lick of the fire that's like, oh, doubting, was it all a house of cards? Because if I can do this in the moment, you know, are all the other times when I'm so responsive and all Mm -hmm. those things, like there's some doubt around that. And so just the nuance, like you articulated a lot, like around what that means and who we are and our own stories. And I just love this idea of being like, we're all on this personal journey to be like, what is that? How do I answer that question within myself? You know, and what's the part from here and the part from here in this book that will help me move the needle. Yeah. And then when we do that work, right, when we like recognize it for ourselves, we give our kids to be the, have Mm -hmm. the space to have their own experience. We don't have to control it. Mm -hmm. Right. Just want to, right. We all want to do that. (laughs) We're all trying, we're all practicing. Right. Okay. So then the next step, right. Is this like living in this practice of being like, okay, sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes our kids get it. Sometimes they don't like, that's just how we are. We're in this messy, nebulous, in and out thing, because sometimes we need to keep relearning something. We miss something yep. maybe. Mm-hmm. So we got to keep doing it. Yeah. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Right. And then 
here's the next thing that we talk about at Sproutable, which is when we can then go, oh, instead of trying to stop the behavior, like what is missing, Mm -hmm. right? What's missing for our kid? What skill? What do they need to learn? What's missing for us? What do we need to learn or reflect on, right? And we can move to that place Mm -hmm. of intentional parenting. Or I have another reframe of that, and this is what we're going to end with today, and then your quote. Considering the stories that we've shared on this episode at the start, what has served us as far as our guilt and shame and self-doubt story? How has the exact kid that we have served us and taught us Mm -hmm. to evolve inside of that story? I mean, just to even cap that one of just from a couple of weeks ago and me being so, you know, like the fire coming out. I recognized that it was, oh, that's the narrative of like, you listen to your dad, you Mm. listen to the father, you know? And so just because it doesn't come up so often because of that, they don't have such a contentious relationship or it's not usually, that's not the narrative in our household so often of like, you've got to listen to me in this. So it doesn't come out. And so because it did come out in that little way in John, I was like, oh yeah, I've got to reinforce that for that safety part, you know? Mm. That six-year-old, right, that I was, that was like, do not make waves, get really small, just do what everybody says, fly so low under the radar. So that serves me, right, as that reminder of, guess what, I get to take care of that little part of me. The kid that I have that's right now gets to help me evolve with this generation of being like, you get to be big and loud and strong and hear me roar, Leona. So I think all of those parts totally serve us as the messages of like, here's here's the place that we get to keep practicing. Oh, this is yep. showing up again. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. For my kid, it's really that gift of taking space, mm-hmm. you know, being mm-hmm. like, here I am unapologetically. I'm going to live here and this is who I am and this is what I believe. And here it is. Mm-hmm. That's it. And we yeah. don't have to be the good, you know, just. There's not good. There's not right, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and that, you know, I could say something that could be quote unquote a mistake or be hurtful to someone. And I still like deserve to be in the room, yeah. you know, like it's yeah. okay. I still have value. Yes. You know, yeah. and that for me is the gift of Rowan too, is really helping me relearn like value is innate. We are worthy because we are because we be, because we exist. Mm-hmm. And she's badass, mm-hmm. like my kid. Yeah. She's so bold. I'm so inspired by her boldness. Sometimes I'm like, whoa. But <laughs> even then I'm like, God, wow, balls on this kid, <laughs> yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So. And I think t- that this idea of opening up the range of possibility for yeah. them and yes. instead of just being like, oh, this is who they are. Okay, we figured it out and da 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 but just sitting back and witnessing, getting out of the way and allowing them to be their true essence and evolve into mm. whoever it is they are going to be. And yeah. we get the gift and the, I mean, I always say the it's like, experience it's it. a gift and it's like, what, uh, not necessarily like a responsibility, but like, I mean, you'll just edit this word search out of the, out <laughs> of super it. super smart friend, Julietta. This is wah, wah, wah. It's, um. Cutting nothing. Gosh, no, it really, like, I just think, wow, how lucky am I, you know, yeah, to totally. just like witness. Like, yeah. that's part of the Bernie Brown parenting manifesto, right? Like you, you get the gift of seeing me or the, yes. like the messiness of me. That's mm-hmm. not what she says exactly mm-hmm. there, but like, 
and I get the gift of truly seeing, seeing you. you. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, right. and speaking and that, of Brene. We got to read this Brene Brown quote. All right. So this is from Atlas. Okay. Yeah. So just closing with this quote from our our dear, dear friend. friend. Our dear friend, <laughs> Brene Brown. She's going to be our friend. From Atlas Hi, of the Heart. <laughs> who says, if you put shame in a Petri dish, it needs three ingredients to grow exponentially. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. And if you put the same amount of shame in the Petri dish and douse it with empathy, it can't survive. Mm. I think about how much empathy is generated when we bring people together to talk about, practice, learn parenting. And it's such a Mm -hmm. special, like it's hard to really identify how special the communities Mm -hmm. become that we get to work with. and And the empathy for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, thanks, ladies. Thank you, listeners and watchers. So excited to be on this adventure. Join us next week as we dig into perspective shifting, embracing imperfection, so we can learn and continue to grow. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.